Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In just moments, we expect Brian Koberger charged in the murders, the brutal murders, of four beautiful University of Idaho students will be in a court of law to enter a plea. Why? Because in the last days, a grand jury, a secret grand jury has met and handed down a true bill, indictments. But that's not enough for Brian Koberger. Because in the last days, we also learned that Brian Koberger, remember, the Ph.D., the doctoral student in criminal justice, apparently installed surveillance video cameras in a female colleague's home that he could tap into any time he wanted. Let me throw a technical legal term at you. Perv! I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at KREM. So I just got off the phone with the Latah County District Court Clerk's Office. They told me a grand jury indicted Brian Koberger on all counts. That means the grand jury found there was enough evidence in the case for it to go to trial. Now, Koberger will have his arraignment on Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning. That is where he will likely enter his plea of either guilty or not guilty. This grand jury process replaces the preliminary hearing process that was scheduled for the end of June. That's what we know right now and more from our friends at ABC. Just hours 
hours away from Brian Koberger's official arraignment for the murders of Kaylee Gonsolves, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin, the 28-year-old suspect facing four counts of murder in the first degree after his indictment by a Lataw County grand jury. Right now, although we seem to have mounting evidence against Mr. Kohlberger, it's still anyone's game because there's a lot of information that the defense is going to hold and not release to the public. Koberger is expected to plead not guilty. Authorities allege Koberger orchestrated and carried out the deadly attack and then returned to work pursuing his Ph.D. in criminology before making a cross-country trip home to Pennsylvania with his father. A lot of evidence the defense is going to withhold and keep private. What does the defense have in their back pocket? Uh, any more women with surveillance cameras in their bathroom, in their den, in their kitchen, in their bedroom? With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. First of all, I want to go out to Tara Malik out of Idaho, the jurisdiction where Koberger is about to be arraigned, uh, former state federal prosecutor, and you can find T Tara at smithmalik.com. Tara, thank you for being with us. An arraignment. It sounds confusing. It's not. The defendant is brought over from jail. If they are on bond, they get a summons and they come to court or else they're in bond forfeiture. And they are taken to a podium. Their attorneys are with them. And they are read their formal charges. And at that time, they enter a plea of guilty or not guilty. If they won't speak, their lawyer can enter the plea for them. And if they refuse to do that, then the judge will enter a not guilty plea on their behalf. What do you expect at the arraignment? You're a veteran trial lawyer. What about it, Tara? Well, I think we, we are going to see a very uh, boring process, most likely. He's going to show up uh, with his attorney, Ann Taylor. He'll enter a guilty or not guilty plea. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he may have some interesting body language. It'll be interesting to say if he has any facial expressions during the hearing, but it'll be rather uh, straightforward, like you said, Nancy. You know, um, Chris McDonough joining me, director of the Cold Case Foundation, former homicide detective, host of The Interview Room, and you can find them at thecoldcasefoundation.org. Chris, thank you for being with us. I have not found one thing about this investigation to be the least bit um, routine, boring, um, as expected. Nothing has happened the way one would expect it to happen. And that's after, I, I, I guess, I handled close to 10,000 cases, either investigating, pleading out, trials. When you're in a, a major metropolitan city handling felonies day in, day out. That's not unheard of. There will be many other people most likely on the arraignment list. Typically, well, in big cities, uh, you'll have arraignments throughout the week. We would typically have them twice a week with 150 new cases on the, cal on the arraignment calendar each day. So, when I talk about what's happening at arraignment, this could be special special set for Koberger, just Koberger, but you never know what Koberger is going to do. Would you agree with that, McDonough? Absolutely, Nancy, and, and we have been talking about this right on your show for months now, and every opportunity that he gets it, it is always a surprise in relationship to if it's his legal team 
you know, putting the affidavits together to kind of circumvent the gag order. We now find out that information, uh, you know, was pretty much a tactic. Uh, and now we have this other information that's floated to the top. It won't surprise me if he, you know, raises his eyebrows just for the attention because he needs that attention. It's part of his makeup right now. You know, it's another interesting thing. And I want to go back out to Tara Malik, high profile lawyer, joining us out of the Coburger jurisdiction of Idaho. For so long, we were told there was going to be a preliminary hearing. And I started screaming at the get go, don't do it, don't do it, don't do a preliminary hearing. Because a preliminary hearing serves the same function as a grand jury proceeding, which is held in private. Do we have to say the name O.J. Simpson preliminary hearing, which was a huge circus? Uh, the state's witnesses were really not ready to undergo cross-examination as if they were at a jury trial. A preliminary hearing, a grand jury hearing, is just to put enough evidence up for a judge to say, yes, I see there's an issue of fact. You brought on this evidence, such as the DNA found on the knife sheath that matches Koberger. Koberger says he wasn't there. He's not guilty. So that's an issue of fact. And the jury is a sole judge of the facts. That's all it's supposed to be. But somehow, preliminary hearings somehow get out of control every single time they happen, Tara. Yeah, it's true. I mean, every time you open it up uh, into this full kind of adversarial process, you're going to have um, you're going to have things happen that happen during trial. You you can't predict perfectly what every witness is going to say. Uh, you know, um, you don't know what the defense will try and elicit out of them. Um, so I think the best way to go in these types of cases is grand jury proceeding. There's no reason uh, why you shouldn't do a grand jury. Like you said, it's in private. Um, you know, the defense gets a transcript of it later on. They can attack it if they think the prosecutor did something wrong. So there's still that due process element. But to open it up to this full adversarial, you're going to get the um, same issues that are kind of coming up or started to come up in Coburger, where defense is going to demand all sorts of, uh, you know, information prior to the preliminary hearing uh, and move to compel that information. We haven't even gotten to discovery really yet. Yeah, and when Tara Malik is saying discovery, what that means is that before you go to trial, strike a jury, start putting up evidence, the state has to hand over, for instance, all scientific reports like uh, DNA, fingerprints, fibers, uh, shoe prints, anything that went to the lab. Um, they have to hand over defendant statements. They have to hand over names and addresses of all the witnesses, plus a witness list. All that has to be handed over by the state to the defense. And in many jurisdictions, the defense has to hand over limited information to the state. So nobody is ambushed at trial. So it's truly a trial based on the evidence, not on ambush techniques. Guys, this is what's happening right now. Koberg expected in a courtroom at any minute to enter a plea of guilty or not guilty to have his charges formally read out loud in a court of law. We're probably going to hear a flurry of motions announced. The defense, I'm sure, is going to want a, a, a slew of motions to be heard. And then we began setting down the groundwork for the trial. We are also learning at this hour that Koberger is now accused of planting 
video cameras that he could access in a colleague, a female colleague's place. But first, take a listen to Aaron McLaughlin, NBC. Brian Koberger, the man charged with stabbing four college students to death, now indicted by a grand jury. The indictment includes four counts of murder in the first degree and one count of burglary. If found guilty, he could be sentenced to death. Koberger has yet to enter a plea, but his previous attorney said he believes he'll be exonerated. The indictment follows his December arrest at his family home in Pennsylvania. More than 45 days after Maddie Mogan, Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were found brutally murdered in this college house. KREM reporting that the victim's families have issues with what's happening right now. Listen. Ray says he found out about the indictment. Up until then, he says the Gonzalez family has been preparing to see Koberger in June, a timeline he already had a problem with. Once you've charged someone with an inf- on an information, you're normally a preliminary hearing within a couple weeks out. And they said six months out. You know, and I don't think that really was of, um, you know, it's, that's hard for a victim's families, for all the victim's families, that's hard. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. To Dr. Joni Johnson, joining us, forensic psychologist, private investigator, performs assessments on violent offenders, and is the author of Serial Killers, 101 Questions True Crime Fans Ask. Dr. Joni Johnson, thank you for being with us. I hear what the victims are saying. It seems as if they were preparing to attend the preliminary hearing Instead, there is a grand jury proceeding that's already happened, which I think is in the best interest of the state and the victims' families. And 
They say that this is difficult. I can't even imagine how difficult. Here's the reality. The grand jury move was the best thing strategically for the state and for the victims' families. I think basically anything at this juncture is going to be really hard on the victim's family. Talking about the murders, having to see Koberger in court, going to a preliminary, hearing that there's been a grand jury indictment, anything is going to be hard for them because they're having the worst time that they will ever have in their lives. You're absolutely right. And I think that just shows probably the disconnect between what is best strategically from a legal standpoint and what the family's feeling. And you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the worst case scenario. They've had no control over anything in their lives. They've lost the most important people in their lives. And now they're getting surprised, you know, and so nothing is going to feel good. Everything is going to be painful. And I'm sure every bump in the road for them. And of course, a surprise is going to be a bump in the road, no matter how much the big picture says, yes, this is the best thing. It, it must feel like, again, once again, the rug is being pulled out from under them. Yeah, there, there's this is a lose-lose scenario for the state because no matter what they do, it's going to hurt the victims, their, their feelings, their emotions, and, and there's no way around it. I, I want to play that one more time, exactly what the victims, and, and this is specifically the Gonsalves family. They are the ones speaking out against what's happening. Listen. Gray says he found out about the indictment. Up until then, he says the Gonzalez family has been preparing to see Koberger in June, a timeline he already had a problem with. Once you charge someone with an inf- on an information, you're normally a preliminary hearing within a couple weeks out. And they said six months out. You know, and I don't think that really was of, um, you know, it's, that's hard for a victim's families, for all the victim's families, that's hard. Okay. Someone is not explaining this properly to the victim's family. Number one, and uh, Tara, jump in if I've got the Idaho law incorrectly. An information is when a prosecutor gets their notepad all on their own, and they went, okay, I've read the police report. I'm charging Koberger with four counts of murder. And that's the formal charge. You don't want that. Yes, it's acceptable in a court of law, but you don't want that on appeal. A grand jury is much more reliable. A grand jury of, say, 30 or 40 people hearing the evidence and hearing witnesses is much more reliable and solid on appeal when it's being attacked by a defense lawyer than a single prosecutor going, ah, I think I'll go with murder and four counts. No, don't don't do that. So, Initially, drawing this up as an information was basically a placeholder. I think they knew all along they were going to have a grand jury. Um, So that needs to be explained to the family. We want a conviction as victims' families. We want a conviction that will hold up on appeal. Not a quick answer that will do for today. We want something lasting that is tried and true, that can stand the test of fire on appeal when it is questioned and poked and prodded. So the state absolutely did the right thing, not proceeding on what is called an information or an informational. They went to a grand jury. Now, again, the reason not to have a preliminary hearing is because it subjects your witnesses to cross-examination far in advance of the jury trial. Why do that? Why put them through that? And why show the defense your whole playbook at a preliminary hearing? Again, 
Does anybody remember? I mean, Chris McDonough, do you remember the Orenthal James Simpson preliminary hearing? It truly was like a circus. There should have been one witness, the lead detective, who can speak hearsay at a grand jury. And that's okay at a grand jury. Instead, it turned into a debacle. We don't want a debacle in the Koberger trial. 100% agree with you, Nancy, that, you know, in the OJ trial, as we remember, you know, you're 100% right. It, it did turn into, you know, just this unbelievable flow of information going one way. And I think one of the challenges that the PD has had here, I mean, from an investigative aspect, is you know, they really do need to assign a liaison. I don't know if they have or haven't, but it sounds like they haven't. And, you know, you got to do that immediately when these high profile things go, you know, take place. And you got to get everybody in the same room and say, look, we need to go into that courtroom and, you know, arm to arm and arm with the district attorney. I mean, how many families have you seen in your career, Nancy, where uh, you're fighting the family and you're trying to fight the defendant at the same time. That is awful, Chris McDonough. The family needs to be in lockstep with the prosecutor. And that is not the family's responsibility. You're right. Right. There needs to be a liaison because you remember what I just played you from the Gonsalves family lawyer, Gray? Gray found out about the indictment through an email. That's all wrong right there. Yeah, that's that's horrible. prosecutor or the liaison that you're referring to should have called the family look, look and said, look, we're having a grand jury. And this is why this is the best thing. Because I've been screaming since day one, they do not need to do a preliminary hearing. N-O. Just fraught with danger. Guys, that's not the only thing happening in the news right now regarding Koberger. As we wait for him to come into the courtroom, let's take a listen to our friend Kelly Beeson. Brian Koberger was involved in another crime that happened before these murders. Now, this incident involved his female co-worker at Washington State University, where someone allegedly broke into the woman's apartment and moved things around. Instead of calling police, the co-worker called Koberger, who suggested and helped her install security cameras. But the report says Koberger was behind that break-in and used those cameras to spy on her. It just gets worse. It's not that he just... Helped install these security video cameras. They actually think he faked a break in to get her to get the cameras. It's very intricate in the planning. Joining me right now, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter Nicole Parton. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Nicole Parton. Nicole, what happened? So, Nancy, Brian Kohlberger, he befriended this colleague of his at Washington State University. And then it's alleged that he went to her home, broke into her home, and would move things around. He didn't steal anything. But imagine going into your home and now your sofa is moved from one place to the other. Or your phone or things that you've had placed in a particular spot are moved around. It spooked the lady. So she comes back to work and she talks to her friend Brian. And he, of course, suggests that he come over and he saved the day. When he got there, his suggestion was, surveillance. You need cameras installed in your home. And guess what? I'm the guy for the job. I can install those. It's alleged that he installed security surveillance videos. And because he had access now 
to the passwords and to her Wi-Fi, he was able to log in and spy on her throughout her home. Every person in this studio has a, is making a face right now, an ill, ick, horrible face. Uh, and it's very, very, uh, I believe, probative, proves something, Chris McDonough, that this alleged incident of him moving the woman's objects around inside of her apartment to make her afraid, then she comes and tells him at work, and just as he is expected, for the, he expects this scenario to happen, he then, as Nicole Parton says, saves the day and goes, let's install video cams. Finish that sentence so I can snoop and spy on you and watch you change clothes and take a shower whenever I feel like it. Here's the, the critical part as it relates to the four murders. This incident allegedly took place just a few months before the four murders. So, uh, what does that mean to you, to Chris McDonough? Well, there's a high probability this is uh, information that uh, indicates pre-incident behavior. And, you know, a leopard doesn't lose its spots, right, Nancy? I mean, we've talked about this. You've talked about this. You've stood uh, on that driveway looking and look through those windows in the back of that house. And I think you and I both had the same feeling of, oh, my gosh, this is so exposed here. And now we learn that he potentially uh, allegedly used, you know, his cloud-based technology skills to go into a colleague's house and up the ante, as Greg Cooper says. And it just makes you, it just puts chills down your spine of what other incidents are we going to find a, find about, learn about that this guy was, you know, really deep into his planning. And the fact that he could move those items around potentially, if it's him, and have that control over her and then ultimately we now get to the homicides, you know, within a month or two after this particular incident's reported. Many would argue it, uh, the installing of the cameras and the spying on the woman um, in various states of undress, puttering around her apartment, doing whatever people do in private, was simply a step in the progression leading up to the four murders where many people believe he spied on the three female victims end up killing a, a fourth as well Ethan Chapin but the progression the step in the progression guys take a listen to our friend at NBC Keith Morrison our source says Kohlberger had befriended a woman in his graduate criminology cohort the woman had returned to her apartment one evening and found some things amiss. Items moved from where she'd left them. In the kitchen, in the bath. Quite bizarre. So what did she do? Well, our source tells us that since nothing had been taken, the woman did not call the police. Instead, she called her new friend, Brian Koberger, who, our source says, volunteered to come over and take a look and... He soon recommended the installation of a video security system, and he, Kohlberger, volunteered to do the work. I mean, Dr. Joni Johnston, forensic psychologist, can you believe that? Well, unfortunately, I can believe that. I mean, it just speaks to so many things about him in terms of his deviousness and his ability to act. I mean, this is somebody who befriends a coworker and pretends to be this nice guy. 
sets up a situation where she's vulnerable and then takes advantage of it. And I think it definitely does speak to him progressing. I mean, this is a guy who, even when he was an undergraduate, people were saying he was staring at them and there was issues of stalking and those kinds of things and potentially going to, you know, to the victim's homes and looking in. I mean, this is somebody who just really does get off on being in control. And not people, not, people don't even have to know that he's in control. It's enough for him to know it. Guys, take a listen to our friends at NBC. This is Keith Morrison. After the installation, our source says police believe Kohlberger, if he was close enough to the woman's apartment, could pull up the cameras himself for a look because Kohlberger knew the woman's Wi-Fi password. Our source tells us that Brian Kohlberger is now considered a strong suspect in the break-in. Hearing that, retired FBI profiler Greg Cooper offers this theory. What does that say to you? I I would expect that he orchestrated the whole thing. Okay, orchestrating a break-in, not to take anything but to manipulate items, move them around inside his female colleague's apartment, knowing she would come tell him about it, and he could offer to put in a surveillance system. Joining me right now is Bill Daly, former FBI investigator and expert in forensic photography, security expert. Bill Daly, have you ever heard anything like this? Well, Nancy, unfortunately, yes. I mean, it is something that over the years, uh, not, not let's say specifically with somebody manipulating someone, but people going in and putting cameras in to be, observing individuals and and doing that in a way that doesn't suggest there was a crime uh, preceding it, meaning that in this case, he didn't go in and rob the apartment, which would have, as, as mentioned in the uh, the story just a few minutes ago, would have precipitated more police involvement, but, but yet relied on him then as kind of this kind of savior to come in and allegedly, you know, help this individual. So I, I have heard of cases and have worked on on cases in the past where where there have been surreptitious uh, placement of, of cameras uh, for various purposes. And so it's, it's not surprising that in this particular case, and I'm going to kind of draw a little bit on from my, my, my friends in the behavioral science part of the FBI, but this does demonstrate uh, and could demonstrate leakage. And leakage in, in, this, in this phase is really talking about kind of this progression, this kind of behavioral kind of, uh, kind of progression towards potentially those crimes that took place uh, involving these students. So uh, I think what we're all talking about here is that it's not just creepy, it's not just unsettling, uh, but it does go to a kind of a state of mind and, and a manner in which he would behave by perhaps uh, watching someone at a distance. And maybe that also ties into some of the reports, Nancy, that we heard of him canvassing the, the home of the victims and doing some observation remotely um, and if not having actually been there to know what the layout of the floor plan was. You just mentioned uh, not just creepy, not just unsettling. I agree. In fact, I find it probative mm-hmm. because if you really analyze what he's accused of doing, Bill Daly, you see a fingerprint. You see a similar modus operandi method of operation. Watching your victim at a distance. Driving close enough to her home, her apartment, to be part of her Wi-Fi. Logging in, possibly, from remote to watch her whenever he felt like it. Preying on someone he knew, much as he thought he knew, the victims at Idaho University, Idaho, from contacting them 
uh, digitally, spying on them, showing up at a restaurant where they work, being around them. The victims, also young females, likely similar in appearance and age, in the same area, in a similar housing situation, connected to him tangentially, that he stalks. In, in, in my mind, it's an outright similar transaction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can I can I share a thought, Nancy? Jump in, Chris. So, uh, right, this is all in uh, behavior very consistent with obviously this pos- this possession, right? And it's kind of the buildup for them. I mean, there's uh, I've talked to suspects that post incident, it's almost as if you know the most exciting part was not necessarily the the kill. But it was building up to that kill. And and one of the things I, that we talked about uh, on your show a while ago was the fact that the first thing the defense did when they went into that house, remember what they took the first thing? That smart TV. Okay. And that's on their affidavit. And the cops stood there and said, okay, all they did, you know, they took receipts. They took a couple other things, but they took that TV out of there. That makes one wonder, what do they know? And what's on that TV? I know they did a hard drive dump on it through the, through the, uh, um, the what's it called? The Firefox or whatever, the uh, mm-hmm. Amazon stick or something to that effect. So they, they did a hard dive or uh, a dump on it, but they got that TV. And so I, you and I have talked about this. You, you just wonder... What in the world, you know, was he really doing from his own apartment that his team comes in and says, let's get this quickly? I want to give a, uh, let me just say, I want to refresh your recollection as it relates to what this is all about. This is about Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan. Zana Kernodal and Gilly Consalves. Kelly, Zana, Madison, and Ethan lost their lives brutally. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? 
Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. With me, Dr. Jan Gorniak, renowned medical examiner, joining us out of Clark County Office of the Medical Examiner. That's Las Vegas. Dr. Gorniak. Could you remind us of the brutality inflicted on these four young, possibly sleeping university students? You know, you keep going back to the the OJ trial, right? And when I first heard about this, I, too, along with other other people, was surprised that one person was able to, to accomplish, you know, these injuries on all these people, whether they were sleeping or not. Um, I'm just imagining how stealth he was getting into the house um, and just brutally, you know, incised wounds, stab wounds, sharp force injuries on, on these on these young um, victims. Um, and I, I, I just can't I just can't imagine, obviously, knowing that the brutality that he was able to inflict on each of these young people without any fight back that makes any sense um and i like i said i was shocked that one person was able to do this the degree of brutality was immeasurable what were the injuries these four victims sustained dr gorniak they had multiple sharp force injuries so when you talk about um stab wounds and size wounds. Um, so obviously in cases like this, it's just a lot of blood loss. So um, like I said, it's, it's, it's unimaginable that they could have all these wounds about their body without being able to wake up or fight back. It must have been so fast. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how fast and rapid it could have been to be able to, to injure these, these young people like that. And, it, and it's interesting because I hear you um, talking about the preliminary hearing versus a grand jury. And actually, from where I sit, um, because as an independent witness, even though most of the times we are called by the prosecuting, the prosecutor, um, but I myself prefer the, 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 the preliminary hearing as an expert because then you know where the defense is coming from. And, it, and it's interesting to see how we're different players in the whole legal system set and how we approach it differently. Oh, Dr. Gorniak, uh, I understand what you're saying as a witness at trial. Yep. That you want to know but, what's going to happen and you can at trial and you can find that out at the preliminary trial on your own cross-examination. But right. m- most witnesses, Dr. Gorniak... I, I know, and I'm not even being a a tiny bit sarcastic. Dr. Gorniak, most of us are just mere mortals (laughs) that probably would not hold up to cross-examination as well as you. 
Right. And as a prosecutor, I don't want to put a, a let's just say, a fearful witness, right. an easily intimidated witness, an easily confused witness up on the stand so the defense can have not one but two cracks at them, uh, preliminary and and the trial, I mean, you would like make, you know, child's play of a defense lawyer on cross-exam. I'd like to see that cross-exam myself. I get a ba- ba- bag of popcorn for that. But for most witnesses, you don't want to subject them to two cross-exams. And that's what I would say. I mean, so for me, as like you said, as the witness, absolutely. But I can only imagine as someone who's intimately involved in the case, how mentally challenging and mm-hmm. you know what I mean devastating that that could have lasting effects I mean having testified Dr. Gorney at, at my fiance's murder trial I know I wouldn't want to do it twice I absolutely would not want to do it twice I agree and so I see both sides I see both sides and I just want to share you know that. what's interesting uh, but jumping off what Dr. Gorniak just said Chris McDonough I'm just thinking about what the witnesses are going to have to go through at the actual trial but I'm thinking about this female witness the colleague that was tricked into having Brian Koberger of all people install a security system in her home the video cameras you know what Chris McDonough think about it it was building in him even at that time, this is just like a tiny taste of what he was capable of. She should thank her lucky stars, thank heaven, that she was not murdered, this female colleague of his. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so when we think through that, it, he is fantasizing in relationship to, you know, the big event. Um, mm. You know, as, as Dr. Gary Bercato says, you know, he's, he's eventually going to get to the place where he's the punisher. And, you know, imagine sitting, having her sit in that prelim uh, and in front of him, not knowing what he's thinking about her while she's on that stand. Um, remember in the OJ trial, Barry Sheck uh, had uh, Dr. You know, the, the criminalist Fong uh, on the stand. And every time, you know, he didn't say he put two sets of pairs of gloves on. Barry Sheck would say, what about that, Mr. Fong? And that resonated through the law enforcement community back in that time, because uh, I was there, where we all started talking about not getting Fonged. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard that before. I remember, what about that, Mr. Fong? But I've never heard about not getting exactly. Fonged. I'm hearing right now everyone is headed to the courtroom for the formal arraignment will bring it to you as we hear it. Goodbye, friend. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. 
Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.